Welcome to the Laivana podcast. I am Ivana, your host, life coach, and motivational blogger. I'm here to help you create your own version of a dream life. Each week, you'll hear mindset shifts and action steps that you can implement into your daily life to start living a life you're excited about. Are you ready to go all in on your dreams? Then let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we have Katrin Bent joining us from Sweden. Katrin is a certified life and relationship coach and she helps grumpy girlfriends enjoy their good relationships. Today we're going to talk about how is a grumpy girlfriend created, how to stop waiting for our partner to change so that we can feel better and instead take responsibility for how we feel. Katrin is going to share with us what to focus on in the heat of the moment when you get jealous, frustrated or angry with your partner, why communication can't always fix our relationship problems and what to focus on instead. We're going to talk about the disadvantages of having a to-do list for your partner and much, much more. So if you're struggling to be happy and enjoy yourself in your good relationship, then you're going to love today's episode and hearing Katrin's advice and perspectives on how you can dump the grump and finally start enjoying your good relationship. Also, if you like today's episode, take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. We'd love to hear your biggest takeaways. And now let's dive into today's episode. Hi, Katrin. Welcome to the Laivana podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So to start, you can introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay, so my name is Katrin Bant. I am from Sweden and I'm a certified life and relationship coach. And I work mainly with girlfriends who are struggling to be happy and enjoy themselves in their good relationships. So that is more or less what I do. I live in a small town in the middle of Sweden with my boyfriend and our dog and... That's, uh, I think that's pretty much it. And uh, I know before you started your coaching business, you had quite successful YouTube channel. You had like around half a million subscribers. So what got you into coaching and going from being a YouTuber and content creator to starting a coaching business? So my YouTube career and that whole like influencer thing was not a an active choice that I made. It just kind of happened to me because I was spending a lot of time online and I liked creating videos and then all of a sudden there we were and that was my life. So it wasn't something I actively sought out or wanted to do. It was just something that I kind of went from being a teenager into an adult and that just happened to be my job (laughs) and it just turned out to be that way. And then as I got older and older and older and when I had started doing YouTube for like five, six, seven years... I didn't like it that much anymore. It was a lot of it that wasn't fun. I didn't like that way of running a business. I it, I never felt like I had any control over my income. Like there were a lot of things that played into losing the spark and the interest in doing it basically. And then during 2019, I think I had Um, I was depressed for basically half of that year and I was like trying to figure stuff out and I didn't know what to do and I feel like that was the the start of the change so I was kind of looking for something else I wanted something different I wanted to I wanted a change I wanted to do something differently and then I eventually found coaching became a coach and made that change and I decided to just quit YouTube altogether in early 2020 
kind of. So that was a huge relief to not have to do that anymore because I hadn't been enjoying it for a couple of years by that point. So it was nice to find something new to do. And uh, you got certified as a life coach. So what led you to wanting to dedicate your business to coaching grumpy girlfriends? And what was that moment when you thought to yourself like, wait, I want to do this. I want to coach grumpy girlfriends to enjoy their good relationships. It's pretty funny when I think back about it, because now it's so obvious. (laughs) It's like, of course, I should coach grumpy girlfriends. But when I was struggling the most, I was struggling with depression, anxiety, a lot of relationship related, like anxiety, grumpiness, jealousy, all of that kind of stuff. And then I found coaching. And my first thought wasn't, I should be a coach. My first thought was, oh my God, this can help me. So I started working on myself and it worked. And within a couple of months, my entire life had changed. And then I was like, well, this sounds like fun. Like this sounds like a fun thing to do. So I decided to enroll in certification. I got certified. And it wasn't until like six months later where I was like, well, I wonder who I should coach. Like, what should I do? Who should I help? I don't know. So I was like playing around with different alternatives. And I was like, maybe this, maybe that. I don't know. And then I just asked myself, well, in what area of my life has coaching been the most transformational? What's the biggest thing that coaching has helped me with? And then everything clicked. And I was like, well, obviously, (laughs) grumpy girlfriend problems and like obviously I need to help grumpy girlfriends and when I would tell my my coaching classmates and other people I was like I think I'm gonna help grumpy girlfriends they were like well that doesn't sound very nice or like "Mm, I don't know I don't think people like being called grumpy girlfriends you should probably call it something else and I was like no no grumpy girlfriends know they are grumpy girlfriends like (laughs) they they know what that means they call themselves that and I need to help them. So that's how I kind of ended up there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We know when we are a grumpy girlfriend. Definitely. So what do you think, how is a grumpy girlfriend created? Because mostly at the start of a new relationship, everything is perfect. We are so in love with that person. We think that we are such a good fit and everything is amazing. And then later, we just start feeling jealous and anxious and thinking, well, what if they cheat on me? What if this happens? What if I'm not good enough? So how is the grumpy girlfriend created? So I think when I say grumpy girlfriend, I use that as a an umbrella term for a lot of different things in a relationship. So it kind of depends on what your flavor of grumpiness is. Because a jealous girlfriend is created slightly differently than a resentful, frustrated, angry girlfriend or a very anxious and scared girlfriend versus someone who is very insecure, for example. So it depends, like what branch of grumpiness are you? Because that will mean that it's created by slightly different things. But for example, um, when we start realizing that we have something really great and we're afraid of losing it, that can create a grumpy girlfriend. Um, When we have underlying beliefs about what kind of relationships we are meant to have or could have or like when we reach the upper limit of what we think is possible in our lives and our relationships are better than we think what is possible, then we start becoming grumpy and we start self-sabotaging and we start like trying to make reality fit what our brain believes, which is very 
interesting instead of just accepting like, oh, reality is better than I thought. No, our brains don't do that. Our brain is like, no, I must be missing something. <laughs> it must actually be bad. It can also be that you have had a negative experience in the past, like being cheated on or being broken up with or something in the past. And that was such a horrible experience for you that you have like decided to never experience that ever again. That can create a grumpy girlfriend who is always looking out for red flags or looking out for things that might lead to like repeating that past experience. Um, when we rely on our partners to make us happy, we can become grumpy girlfriends because our partners can't make us happy. When we feel bad about ourselves, of course, we'll probably get to that a little bit later. But when we just feel really bad about ourselves, it's hard to accept that another person chooses to be with us over everyone else in the world, which can make you suspicious and be like, why are you with me? Are you going to leave me tomorrow? You should because I'm awful. Um, and also another thing that I, for me, definitely fueled my grumpiness and maybe didn't create me as a grumpy girlfriend, but definitely made it worse was this constant narrative of like, everything is a red flag. Everything is a trauma response. Everything is an attachment wound. Everything is a problem with your inner child. Everything is just bad. And you need to watch out for all of these horrible red flag things in your relationship, which makes girlfriends into these like problem seeking machines because that's what we're supposed to do. That's being empowered and being a good feminist if we always look out for all of the problems. But that's not what being in a relationship is about. And for my clients especially, their relationships are great. So constantly searching for problems in a good relationship definitely makes you a grumpy girlfriend. Yeah, that all makes sense. And nowadays, especially with social media, what you mentioned, looking for red flags and inner child and trauma response. And it's just like, you're waiting to see what's your problem and you are intentionally focusing on, okay, what's the problem here? Mm, you want to like diagnose yourself all the time. <laughs> Find yeah. the answer, yeah. Via Instagram. <laughs> exactly. So you also mentioned relying on our partner to make us happy or to make us feel a certain way. And oftentimes what happens is that we blame our partner for the way we feel. So if we feel jealous or anxious or worried, it's our partner's fault. And we think that the solution is to change their behavior. And it seems like a shortcut because that way we don't have to do anything. But it's just, it's not very empowering to sit and wait for someone else to change. So what can we do to put the responsibility back on ourselves rather than wait for our partner to make us feel a certain way? How can we actively try to make ourselves feel good rather than rely on someone else? Yeah, so the first thing is the like intellectual understanding of how things work in the world. <laughs> first of all, it's completely normal and like logical in a way that we draw the conclusion that when my partner does something that makes me feel on a certain level we all can understand like yeah when you do I feel when you don't do I feel so that must mean that what they do or don't do makes us feel so that is it's a normal conclusion to draw and it's what we are taught you made me feel, you made little Sarah feel this, apologize. Like we're taught that we make people feel all the time. So the first thing we need to do to change this and understand, like take responsibility is to see that what people do, what our partners do or don't do 
it's neutral until it's filtered through our brains. The thing they do doesn't put the feeling in our bodies. Our registration in our brains, like seeing it, thinking something about it, making it mean something, puts the feeling in our bodies. So nothing your partner does or doesn't do has the power to make you feel anything in your body without your brain's participation. So that's the first part. Like We need to see that everything in the world is funneled through our brains before it enters our body. Our feelings don't come from the outside world. And that means that whatever you're feeling is coming from your thoughts. And this is extremely difficult to accept in the beginning. Because as I said before, like, when he does, I feel. (laughs) Like, that's the logic we use. We're like, no, when my partner does this, I feel a certain way. So that must mean it's coming from what they're doing. But we need to start becoming aware of, well, what happens in my brain when my partner does that thing? Because that is what I need to start working on if I want to feel differently. Because this, like your thoughts create your feelings. A lot of people, what they hear when I say that, what they hear is you should feel good about everything. Since your thoughts create your feelings and you can manage your thoughts You need to feel good about everything that happens in the world because the goal is to feel good all the time. That is kind of like the misconception that we have. Like, well, if my partner doesn't make me feel and my thoughts make me feel, then my partner can treat me like crap and I should feel good about it. It's like, no, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that if your partner treats you like crap, you might want to feel bad about that. And that is in your control. And you get to choose to feel bad about your partner treating you like crap. I think a lot of people would agree that that is reasonable to feel crappy about your partner treating you crappy. But if your partner is treating you well, and your brain is still making up stories that make you feel bad, then you can change how you think about it if you want to feel differently about it. So to answer your question, how do we start taking responsibility back It's really, really on a fundamental level understanding where feelings come from. Like really understanding that it's not coming from your partner or what they're doing. And yes, it is kind of like a shortcut to be like, hey, partner, can you start doing this so I can feel better? Or partner, can you stop doing this so I don't have to feel bad? And the thing is, you can do that. Like it literally is a shortcut. But... If you imagine a long-term relationship where you always have to tweak your partner in order to feel the way you want to feel, it's going to be very exhausting for your partner. They're not going to succeed all the time. And then your emotions are always based on if your partner does things right or not. So even though you are free to always ask your partner to change or do something differently or start doing something so that you can feel the way you want to feel, it doesn't always work. And when it doesn't work, it's time to start working on what you're thinking, what you're making things mean, and what's going on inside of you. Does that make sense? That like you can ask and you can try to change your partner, but it's not always going to work. And then you're kind of left with yourself. So you might as well learn that skill from the beginning so that you know how to do it when your partner doesn't want to jump through all of your hoops to make you happy. Yeah. And changing your thoughts and gaining this awareness is definitely a process. So how do you change your thoughts in the moment when you notice yourself feeling jealous or angry with your partner? Do you have some in the moment 
tools or reminders that you would use or recommend? Yeah. So when I work with my clients, in the beginning especially, I never tell them to change their thoughts in the heat of the moment. And the reason for that is because it doesn't work. So I could tell them to do it, but it would be pointless because it wouldn't create any good results. And the reason for that is when we're out, when we are in the heat of the moment, we feel jealousy or fear or anger or insecurity. We are in kind of a fight or flight response. Our like stress hormones are really active. We feel like the emotions are very intense. And when these primitive kind of survival emotions are very intense, that cuts off blood flow to our prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is the intelligent part of the brain, the part of the brain that can think better thoughts and think that, no, my partner is not cheating on me with that person on Instagram. When blood flow is cut off to that part of your brain, it doesn't really work. I love the saying that when emotions are high, intelligence is low. So if I tell my clients, in the heat of the moment, when you're feeling like you're going to die, think better thoughts, it's not going to work. Like, they don't have access to that. It does not work. So your only job in the moment when you're feeling these feelings is to feel. That's what I tell my clients. You have access to your body. You don't have access to your smart brain, but you have access to your body. And when these horrible feelings are rushing through your body, in your stomach, in your chest, you're like everywhere, it just feels awful. If you can stay there and just focus on your body and how it feels and like process that, let it vibrate through you, narrate to yourself what is happening in my body right now, that is the most productive thing you can do in that moment. There is nothing more productive you can do because, as I said, you don't have access to your intelligence in that moment. You just have all these feelings that are trying to make you do a bunch of kind of crazy things, like snap at your partner, go through their phone, stalk someone on Instagram, or be mad or punish your partner for something. So in order to not do those things, we need to just focus on feeling. Then, once you have gotten good at that, once you have basically... Learn the skill of letting your body be a container for very uncomfortable reasons. And I tell my clients, like, they need to get good at being jealous. They need to get good at feeling jealousy in their bodies. They need to make friends with these uncomfortable emotions. Once they have done that, this alarm bell, it's kind of like being in a room when a fire alarm goes off. In the beginning, we are, like, running around being like, fire, fire, oh my god, I need to run, ah, and that doesn't really end up very well once you get good at it it's like sitting in a room with a fire alarm going off it hurts your ears but you're not running around like a headless chicken you're just like okay the fire alarm is going off in my body it's very uncomfortable but i know there's no fire i know there's no fire so i can just listen to this alarm and then eventually the alarm stops And you can start tweaking and changing your thoughts. But the most productive thought work, the self-coaching or working with a coach, it happens before and after the heat of the moment. So if you've had a heat of the moment, the only thing you need to focus on is feel your feelings, feel your feelings, feel your feelings. Then afterwards, we look back and we think, what did I make that mean? What did I think that made me feel that way? Do I want to believe that? What do I want to practice believing instead? And we like look back at that situation and then we make a plan for the next time. The next time this happens, what do you want to remind yourself of? You're still going to have to process the feeling to get access to that kind of intelligent reminder. But the main thought work 
is not in the heat of the moment, which is one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of us do when we work on this by ourselves. We try to think smart, think good thoughts, think better thoughts, ah, run away from the feeling, think something different so you don't have to feel. No, that's not what we're doing. We need to feel first and then change our thoughts. Yeah, I love that approach. Instead of jumping into maybe reacting or changing our actions in the moment or changing our thoughts in the moment, Mm. this seems much more helpful in the long term. Yeah, definitely. And also, since we're talking about changing our thoughts, what are your thoughts about positive affirmations? So it's like, yes and no, because the way most of us use them or talk about them, I do not believe that they work because there's a very important puzzle piece that is required for it to work. And I feel like nobody really talks about that puzzle piece. So when we just say, well, say positive affirmations, we are missing that puzzle piece completely. And that is that the point in thinking new thoughts is to create new neural pathways in the brain by like thinking new thoughts, thinking new thoughts. But if you don't believe the thought, even a little, it doesn't activate the corresponding feeling in your body. And for example, like the easiest example is like standing in the mirror saying, I love you to yourself or like, I love me. I'm amazing. If your current belief is, I'm awful, or I hate myself, or I'm terrible, and you just stand in the mirror and you say, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, you don't believe that enough for it to activate a feeling in your body, which does not create any new neural pathways. And what your brain does is it takes this new thought, and since it doesn't believe it, it says, no, you don't, no, you don't. I love you. No, you don't. And which of those do you believe the most? No, you don't, of course. I'm awful. I'm terrible. So every time you say, I'm amazing, and your brain is like, no, you're not, that's what you are fueling because that's the one you believe. So with positive affirmations, like the way I talk about it with my clients, it's about practicing new thoughts and changing their beliefs, but they have to find a thought that doesn't only sound good, If we say it, it shouldn't be like an impressive thought that people think, wow, that's a wonderful affirmation. It needs to feel good. So if that is going from, I hate myself, I'm awful, to I'm a human being, period. Not I'm a good human being, not I'm a uh, worthy human being, just I'm a human being. Do you believe that thought? Yes. Does it feel a little bit better than I hate myself? Yes. Start there. Like we need to build on this ladder because if you're like, oh, I hate myself. And then you're like, well, I'm a human being. It doesn't sound very impressive. It's not like, wow, you're so empowered. You think you're a human being. But we have to start there. We can't jump to a thought that we don't believe because then it just reinforces the negative thoughts that we do believe. So it's a different way of looking at it because it's hard for my clients sometimes to think of thoughts because we're so used to like, I know what I should be thinking. I know what the correct thoughts are. It's like, no, no, no. We don't care about the correct thoughts because those thoughts don't activate anything in your body because you don't believe them. So we need to find those less pretty sounding thoughts, but that feel just a little bit better than your current situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love that approach. Instead of jumping into the opposite, like I Mm. am rich i am successful when you don't feel that way yeah the other ones that signify process feel more believable and just more helpful Mm. so instead of like 
I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And your brain is like, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. Look at your bank account. We know you're not. It's like, I can be rich. I think I can become rich. I'm a person and people can be rich. So that must mean I can be rich. You might be able to believe that. You're not rich already. You don't believe that. Or if you do believe, like, I'm rich in other ways than money. So maybe I can become rich with money too. Like, we need to just find things that make sense. Not these, like, manifestation affirmations that activate zero feelings in our bodies. So being a grumpy girlfriend can ruin our good relationships. But how does it affect the way we feel about ourselves and the relationship that we have with ourselves? And how can that grumpiness or that jealousy and anxiety affect our confidence and the way that we feel about ourselves? It's, it's kind of like the like what came first, the hen or the egg. Like what came first, your bad relationship with yourself or your grumpiness. And sometimes you have a pretty good relationship with yourself, but then you enter a good relationship and you start freaking out. And that freak out starts creating bad behaviors and you start treating your partner poorly. And then you question, am I a good person? And then you like, it becomes a negative spiral from there. But a lot of the time, it's our kind of crappy relationship with ourselves that fuel and, I don't know, set the stage for the grumpiness to happen. And when I was struggling the most uh, with my jealousy, insecurities, all of that stuff, and I was trying to find help, the help was always like, learn to love yourself. You just need to learn to love yourself, work on your self-esteem. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. What? what? How? Like Nobody told me how. It's like this kind of advice that you just throw at someone to make them shut up because everybody knows it's true, but nobody knows how to do it. And it's like, Then we get to affirmations, like, say you love yourself 50 times a day and you'll be cured. So, yeah, it was just, it's it's just not helpful. And now when I'm out on the other side, when I've gone through this entire process and I've learned to love myself and all these things, I can look back and be like, yeah, it is the solution. Like, changing your relationship with yourself is the solution. But me saying to someone, learn to love yourself or work on your self-esteem it's not helpful. And sometimes that's a way too big of a mountain to climb and way too abstract and vague. And it just just doesn't work. So what I see, like what I do with my clients and what I did with myself is we need to start with more tangible, concrete things that they can do to improve their like behavior and their feelings and their thoughts in their relationship. And then as they get better at that, their like relationship with themselves improve. How I changed my relationship with myself was by learning how to manage my mind, how to process my emotions, how to be in control of my behaviors, because that made me so impressed by myself. I was like, oh my God, I just felt jealous and I didn't do anything. I'm amazing. I was like constantly impressing myself with these things, which then made me change my relationship with myself. But how it affects our relationship with ourselves and how it affects our confidence and all of that, it really is just a downward spiral. Because if you feel bad about yourself, you don't understand why your partner is with you. You think they're going to leave. You think they're going to cheat. You think every other girl on the planet is a threat to you because everybody is more fun than you, more easygoing than you, prettier than you, kinder than you, better in every single way. And then when you have all those negative feelings in your body, you start acting controlling or insecure or you start punishing your partner and you start freaking out, which just becomes more evidence that you're awful 
and all these other girls are much nicer than you are, which makes you freak out even more, which makes you act even more crazy, which makes other girls even better than you. Like, it's just a downward spiral from there and really does negatively impact girlfriends relationships with themselves because we judge ourselves constantly i know better why am i not doing better okay i was acting crazy yesterday i'm never going to do it again yet we have no tools to never do it again so we end up doing it again and then we hate ourselves even more for doing it again even though we know better it's an awful spiral so uh, one of the first things that my clients need to do and that i hope that i can help them do with all of my content like my podcast my instagram all of this is to like stop judging yourself. Like stop being so mean to yourself. Stop calling yourself crazy. You're not alone. This is normal. A lot of people go through this and it makes total sense. We can make sense of everything you're doing because I know you're telling yourself it makes no sense like 50 times a day. It does make sense. I can make sense of it and we don't have to judge it and it's completely logical. Once we understand it, we can change it. But that changing that judgment to curiosity and being willing to explore what is actually going on, that is extremely important and also extremely difficult. Because we think that if I judge myself and I I constantly tell myself that I know better, at least I'm doing something good. At least I'm not like, I don't know, just putting my head in the sand and acting crazy. I know I'm awful. That's better than like... I don't know, the alternative, I think, we believe. So, yeah, it really has a negative impact on our relationships with ourselves. And it's pretty interesting how most girlfriends that I work with, they have this fear that they think is about what their partner is going to do. I have a fear of being cheated on. I have a fear of being left. I have a fear of being broken up with. That is the worst case scenario because I don't want to go through that and it sounds awful and I just never want to experience that ever. But it turns out like 9.999 times out of 10 that it's not that thing that we're afraid of. The thing that is the most dangerous in all of this is how we treat ourselves when we are cheated on, broken up with, and left. If you were kind to yourself, if that were to happen... It's not nearly as dangerous or scary as if your partner cheats on you and you call yourself stupid, naive, you should have seen it coming, you should have seen the red flags, you're never going to do that again, how could you, you're so stupid. That's the dangerous part, the part you inflict on yourself. So that's also a part of like why we need to change our relationships with ourselves, because if we are kind to ourselves and we have our own backs, all the dangerous things in the world become a little less dangerous. Because if someone else makes a choice with their free will that they are always going to be free to make, then we're not stabbing ourselves in the heart when that happens. Like, that's a really important part. You need to be on your own side. So, yeah, your relationship with yourself is everything. And it's super important. But we don't start with, like, affirmations for you to love yourself. We start with way more like step-by-step tangible exercises that you can do that has the strategic byproduct of you improving your relationship with yourself. Yeah, that's so true. I often see advice online, be more confident or love yourself, but where (laughs) are the steps? How do I do that? Yeah. And I love what you said about going from judgment to curiosity. Instead of judging ourselves, we can be like, okay, what am I making it mean? What am I making it mean about myself and stuff like that? And it is like when we get past the shame and the guilt and like judging ourselves, 
it is fascinating. And I think it's fun too. Like I enjoyed my process of learning not to be jealous. I was like, okay, I I can't wait to be triggered again so that I can practice feeling jealousy because last time it really worked. So I want to do it again. Like when we're not judging ourselves anymore and we're like, okay, phew, there are tools, there is help to be had. I'm going to change. Now let's have some fun. Now let's dive into it. Now let's learn what my crazy little brain is doing. Like it, it's allowed to be fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. And I know it doesn't feel fun if anyone is listening and you're a grumpy girlfriend right now. I know it's not fun. It's awful. It's the worst. But once you start working on it, it's allowed to be fun and challenging at the same time. Yeah. And you learn a lot about yourself and about how your mind works and why it's creating all of your problems, which are not even real Yeah. And we don't have to be mad at that. It's like you have a child in your brain that is creating problems. We don't have to be mad at the child. We just need to manage it. You need to just become the adult. And we don't have to be like beat the child in your brain. We're not mad at it. It's not doing anything wrong. It's doing exactly what children do. But you're not doing what you're supposed to do as an adult. You're not managing it. You're not parenting it. You're not taking care of it. Yeah, exactly. So What's something that you think grumpy girlfriends need to be aware of or know about that not a lot of people in your niche talk about? Is there a gap in the content that you've seen in your niche? Maybe if you read some books on the topic or seen some other relationship coaches, what's not talked about enough that you think that more grumpy girlfriends need to know? Yeah, so what I'm going to say is not something that I think should be the only thing that is talked about. Like, I I don't want to replace everything that is out there with this, but it needs to be added. Like, it needs to be spoken about more, which is why I do what I do. And that is that not all relationship issues are not always a group project. We don't always have to solve everything together with our partners. And for me, when I was struggling, I everything I came across, every solution to all of my problems involved my partner. And I started getting extremely frustrated with that because everything was like, talk to him, tell him how you feel, communicate, come up with a solution together, tell him what you need from him in order for you to feel better. And I was like, it has nothing to do with him. Why should I bring up to him and communicate that I feel like I'm dying on the inside when he holds his phone? How is that going to help? And I I got so frustrated because everything was about like, If it's a relationship problem, we need to solve it together. And it's like, no, not every problem needs to be solved together. Sometimes it only takes one person to change a relationship and that person can be you, especially when you're the one with a problem. So that's what I want grumpy girlfriends to know, that if you, just like me, you're in a good relationship, your partner is not doing anything wrong. They're kind. They're respectful. They're trying to make you feel better. They're like just doing whatever they can to not maybe trigger you or they're walking on eggshells and they're like, they have friends and they hang out with their friends, but they also hang out with you. Like you cannot identify any anything harmful going on in the relationship, yet you feel awful you can solve that on your own. You don't have to involve your partner. I have so many clients who go through my coaching program and their partners don't even know that they've gone through the program and they change completely and they have a much better relationship after that. So 
not all problems need to be solved together. You have the power to solve them on your own. And if there were any problems that you want to bring up with your partner or discuss with them, you still need to solve your own stuff first and clean up your own thoughts, your own feelings, what you're making things mean before you bring it to your partner. Communication is not the key to everything in the entire world. If you have unsolved, like messy thoughts and feelings where you're like blaming others for how you feel or you're not taking responsibility for how you feel, and then you bring that to your partner, it doesn't matter how pretty and kind words you use or how clearly you communicate. It's still not going to work because you're you're messed up within yourself with who is responsible for what and what is the solution. So something that needs to be talked about more is how how much power you have to solve your own problems, honestly. It's not always about doing it together. And yes, a relationship is between two or more people. We do things together. We talk about things. We communicate. All of that is important too. But a lot of problems can be avoided if you learn how to solve your own problems first. Because then you can actually bring things up with your partner and connect over things that matter. Not about these random things where your partner isn't doing anything wrong, can't make you feel better, and is just left feeling helpless, hopeless, and doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I love that. I often see when it comes to relationships, the number one advice is always communicate, tell them what you want. But if you're insecure about yourself and your partner just can't do anything about it, then you're just going to get angry with them and more frustrated. So there are definitely things that we need to solve on our own that have actually nothing to do with our partner because the same thing can then happen in your next relationship because you haven't worked on your own insecurities. Yeah, you bring your brain with you wherever you go. So you might as well work on it now. And I I mean, just like you said, like a lot of the advice is... Like, you need to communicate, communicate, communicate. And then the, like, kind of unique advice where it's like, you're responsible for your own needs. The next sentence is always, so you need to tell your partner what to do and what to give you. It's like, no, that's like, no, that's not what it means. Your partner cannot put a feeling in your body ever, ever in the universe. It does not work. So, like, it's not your partner's job to make you feel loved. It's your job to generate love inside of your own body. And it's your partner's job to generate love inside of their body. So, yeah, I mean, that could just, if I start talking about love languages, I'm never going to stop. But, yeah, we need to get better at dealing with our own stuff and, like, working on ourselves and spend a little bit less time communicating, honestly, because... For, a lot, for grumpy girlfriends, that is definitely not the answer. And uh, I watched your Instagram live the other day and there was something about cleaning. And you <laughs> yeah. said that if you prioritize cleaning, if that's important to you, then you can do that instead of communicating. And there were some comments, I think, people not agreeing with that mm-hmm. and thinking like, what am I just supposed to let my partner be lazy and I do all the work. But the answer in that case would not be communication, I think. Because no, I mean, priorities. yeah, and uh, we always have this idea that our standards and our opinions and our desires are superior to our partners, but they owe it to us to live up to our standards. And that is, I think, incorrect. You can live up to your own standard and then your partner will live up to their standard. And instead of being bitter and resentful about it, which takes a lot of energy, just being like 
taking responsibility for what you want and doing that takes way less energy, surprisingly. (laughs) It's way easier. You just do the thing. And if you don't like who your partner is or you think your partner is lazy or a bad person and they need to change, maybe you're with the wrong partner. Like, nobody's forcing you to be with this person. But changing them is not your responsibility. You don't have that right. It's like, it's not up to you to decide how your partner is supposed to change to make your life easier. So either manage your mind or find someone who lives up to your expectations and is the way you want them to be from the beginning, naturally on their own. And that's something that's also not talked about enough. Like you have the option to leave. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, what do you mean? Should I just like be his mom and wash his clothes and clean his stuff and like do everything and he does nothing? It's like, nobody's forcing you to do that. You don't have to be with this person. But it's so hilarious how we think changing them is the better option. Like that's, that makes sense. Let's change them. Because honestly, if changing them worked, that's what I would be teaching people. If I had this magic tool that made other people do exactly what we wanted them to, and that made us feel great, I would be charging 10 times what I'm charging. And I would be like the most popular coach in the world. Because that's what everybody ultimately wants. We want to find out how can we communicate good enough for them to do what we want. (laughs) It's like, no, that's not what we're doing. That's oftentimes the thing, you know, communicate, communicate your needs, your wants, and then your partner should do all of that list. Have you ever, like, has anyone ever been on the receiving end of that? You have a partner who's just like, here's a laundry list of everything I want you to do so that I can be happy. It's like, nobody wants to do that. I want to do what I want to do. Make yourself happy. And I know that sounds like a terrible relationship, but there is love and connection and happiness and generosity and doing things for each other involved in all of it. But just to kind of give an example and show how ridiculous it is, we go to these extremes of like really extreme examples. But my in my relationship, both of us only do what we want to do. I want to clean a lot because that's what I want to do. And if my partner wants to do something for me, amazing, which he does often, which is why I'm with him. Like I observe what does my partner do when I'm not forcing him? What does my partner want to do for me when I'm not asking him to? That's the person I'm with. And that's why I'm with him because he does these things. When I just let go of all of that control and manipulation and trying to force him to do things he didn't want to do, and I looked, I'm like, who am I with when I'm not trying to change him? I like that person. So great. I don't have to try to change him anymore. I can just work on my brain whenever he doesn't do something that I think is ideal. Or yeah, when he, like, I have to manage my brain a lot. He does a lot of things that I don't like. And then he does things that I do like and all of that, but it's, it's up to me how I think and feel about all of it. Yeah, I think it's also important to look at our partner as an individual with their own needs and desires instead of just pushing them to be the version of themselves that works for us. Yeah, because we get so wrapped up in I need to feel good and my partner needs to make me feel good. So now if I feel bad, my partner in a healthy relationship, my partner would want to do all these things for me. It's like, I don't know. I think having lists of like a to-do list for each other in a relationship just suffocates love. Like let each individual do what comes naturally to them and that they desire to do for you. And then manage your brain around the rest. 
Yeah, and then you show up so much better in that relationship because you feel fulfilled as an individual. And then when you are together, then it's just so much better. Mm. And instead of being like, well, my love language is, therefore you should, being like, huh, oh, so your love language is this. Well, it's not mine. But now I can think that when you do that, it means that you love me. Great, now I feel loved. Like, instead of being like, no, no, this is my love language. You need to change what you do so I get to feel love. It's always like, I don't want to do any of the work. You do the work. <laughs> That's what we usually say. And instead, I'm like, well, love languages, just in general, they just describe how our brains are programmed right now. It says nothing about what we can interpret or feel in the future. So if you know that, well, my partner gets me gifts all the time. My brain is not programmed to view that as love because I want acts of service or whatever. Well, if you now know that gifts mean love for my partner, you can just think, oh, they love me. And then you feel love. You don't need them to change what they do for you in order to feel the way you want to feel. So, yeah, I think more respect, more allowing each other to be individuals, more accepting that my needs and like desires and wants are equally important to my partners and it's not their job to do everything I want them to they get to say no and that's okay and I get to say no too and I think that just creates a more allowing environment in general and uh, I often see people measuring a successful relationship by the time length so the longer you are in a relationship with your partner the more successful the relationship is it's like the quantity and the number of days you're together is more important than the quality of the time that you're spending together. So how would you define a successful relationship and what would be your measure for a successful relationship? Mm, I think it's a really difficult question because it does stem from an idea that like success is like a measurement of did we reach the goal or not? Like, did we accomplish what we were supposed to accomplish or not? And I don't think relationships should be measured in success or failure. I just don't think it's kind of a weird way to measure experiences. It's like, well, was your trip to Hawaii a success? It's like, well, yeah, I arrived. I guess it was a success. But like, you can't measure an experience, good or bad, as was it successful or not. So... I think it's more helpful just to call it a good relationship because I don't think successful and good are the same thing. Good gets to ex like exist by itself. Good is just like either it's good or it's not. And success is more like compared to the ideal or compared to the goal, is it successful or not? We're comparing it to something while good just gets to be what it is. So the way that I would look at a good relationship is, well, it, it lasts for as long as it's supposed to last. So whenever that is, like, is it a, a relationship can be complete after three months or after seven years or after 20 years, and then it's just complete. It's not failed. It's not over or like ended. It's like complete. Like we're done. That was the container in which we were supposed to have a relationship. And during that time, like using it as um, kind of a box or a context for growth and working on yourself, getting to know yourself, experiencing things together, having a good time, allowing each other to be who you are, and just like enjoying yourself. And just having, I think, I love saying that your partner's only job is to be there for you to love them. 
So like, congratulations, you have a person in your life that you get to feel love towards. That's like a relationship. Like, oh, I get to have someone there that I get to have good thoughts about and good feelings about. And I get to feel that in my body. And then we get to share experiences with each other. That's like, that's a good relationship. And if it ends or if it changes and then ends or if it was good and then it became bad and then it ends, it's all fine. Like, it's not, relationships aren't supposed to last forever. That's not the the measure of a good relationship. All lengths of relationships can be good relationships. Yeah, I love that perspective. Instead of focusing on what it should be in order to be successful. Mm. So since you have your Instagram, you have your podcast, your blog, you have a lot of online platforms. How do you keep your relationship private and set boundaries on what to share in your content online? Well, since I had the like seven year boot camp of being a YouTuber, sharing my life online before I started with this, I I learned how to be personal, but not private. And for a lot of people, they were like confused because I shared some things that for them was private, but for me, it was just personal. And then I kept a lot of things private that they don't even know about because, well, it was something I wanted to keep private. So when it comes to my relationship, I often share my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own experiences, what I struggled with, things like that. But I don't share specifics about my partner's behaviors or what they did, what they didn't do, unless it's good. I can say like, my partner always supported me or my partner always did this or that and asked if they could help, etc. Um, but with specific struggles that I had, with my partner's behaviors, I don't share those because it's not really mine to share because then I kind of, I say things about my partner's private life that I shouldn't, I I don't want to share with the outside world. But then inside of my private coaching sessions, I, there's not really anything I don't share because my clients share everything with me. There's this mutual like trust, confidentiality, and I often talk about my own examples and what I struggled with and this happened in my relationship because I can relate to all of my clients. We all share experiences with all of these things. So sometimes it's very helpful for my clients to hear that, well, I went through that same thing and here's how I dealt with it, my thoughts, my feelings and those kinds of things, just so we can relate to each other. Um, but I save all of that for the closed, like private areas. I don't share that online with with the world. So now I have a few quick questions that I usually ask my guests at the end of the episode. So what's your zodiac sign? I am a Virgo. I don't think if anybody knows anything about uh, zodiac signs, I don't think anyone will be surprised by <laughs> any of that, probably. Uh, what's your human design type? I'm a 2-4. I think that's like, uh, I think I'm a generator. I'm also 2-4. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't believe in any of these things, but I have gone to like a human design reading or whatever you call it. And even though I don't believe in any of it, it, 95% is correct. So are you emotional or sacral generator? Uh, Emotional, I think. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. I think I'm emotional. Yeah. And uh, what's your favorite podcast? So I don't really listen to any podcast in English. So my absolute favorite is called Flashback Forever. It's a Swedish podcast. Um, But if I have to pick one that is in English, I would probably say Office Ladies. I love that show. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What book would you recommend everyone to read? This was also a tricky one because 
I have read a lot of books and I don't haven't liked a lot of them. <laughs> like I read a lot of relationship books and I just disagree with like 95% of all of them. But if you read Loving What Is by Byron Katie, and if you can get that book into your brain and understand that, there is nothing in the world you cannot understand. Like that is just, that is like, the it's the most extreme of like the kind of coaching that I do. My coach certification, my coach mentor, she was very influenced by Byron Katie's. So it has like a lot of similarities, but Byron Katie's is like the most extreme of the extreme <laughs> of everything. So if you can read that and understand it and like maybe not agree with all of it, you don't have to be like 100% Byron Katie, but if you can understand it, a whole new world opens up. So I definitely recommend that book. I'll check it out. I haven't heard of it yet. Mm. And uh, next, if you want a free trip somewhere, all expenses paid, where would you go? This answer would probably change like every month for me. It's been Iceland and then it's been uh, Florence. I usually just want to go back to places I've already been. Um, but right now I'm in a very like paddle. I don't know if you, you know, paddle, uh, but it's a sport and I watch paddle and I play paddle and I'm obsessed with paddle. And I just went to see a live tournament um, in Sweden. And I'm just like, I just want to watch more paddle. So there's this tournament in the Valladolid in Spain. And that's where I would go. I would just go there for the tournament. It's this, the tournament is in the middle of a square in the town. And it's like in the middle of summer and the like environment is amazing and the vibe there is just amazing. And I would just go there for an entire week and just watch paddle for hours and hours and hours every single day. So that's my current answer. Yeah, I saw on Instagram that you're studying Spanish. Yes. Is, yeah. is that the reason why you started or? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because <laughs> I want to understand like the player interviews and what they're saying to each other. And oh, it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, do you have any business plans or coaching announcements for 2023 that you'd like to share with our listeners? So there's nothing new necessarily coming up that I know of yet, but I am doing my signature one-on-one coaching program with clients. So I do private coaching one-on-one and that's what I'll be doing during 2023 as well. So if you want to find out about that or read more about working with me, you can find me at uh, katrinebant.com or katrinebant on Instagram. Or you can check out the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast if you want to hear more about all of the things Grumpy Girlfriend related. Awesome. I will leave all those links in the show notes below. And thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. You just finished listening to an episode on the Laivana podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it over on Instagram. I'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like even more tips and action steps to start creating the life of your dreams, head over to my blog, laivana.com and binge on all the motivational content. Thank you for listening to this episode. Have an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon.